Surely that's a cry of every heart, every believer tonight, that the Lord would show us power in this land and in this day. Amen. It's good when it's good when the Lord confirms your message, and I believe it was confirmed through Timothy's word this morning. And the Lord gave me this word just at the start of the week, and I've been working on it all week, but. I just believe it is from God, you know, and uh, I suppose a lot of what Timothy said this morning can be some what I will say tonight, but praise God that he, he confirms his word. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to, to Psalm 27, please? Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, that, Lord, you do hear and you do answer prayer, Lord. We thank you tonight, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord God. We do thank you tonight, Lord God, that you do hear every cry from every heart, O oh God, and that you do answer prayer, Lord God. And so tonight, Lord, we pray for your word, Lord. We pray for your anointing, Lord, upon your word, Lord. We pray that Lord, you would anoint our hearts, you would anoint our ears, Lord God. And Lord, we pray that you would move in this house tonight, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would even give us souls tonight, Lord. That Lord, that souls would be saved in this house tonight, Lord. That backsliders would be restored, Lord. That the Lord hearts would be stirred tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, in a day when when there's so much fear, Lord. We pray for your peace, Lord. Pray for your peace, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 27, and we're just going to read the whole psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom? Shall I be afraid when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to up my flesh? They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. In his temple. For in the time of trouble. He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up. Upon a rock. And now in mine head shall be lifted up above mine enemies. Round about me. Therefore will I offer. In his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing yea. I will sing praises. Unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. 
Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Let me let me ask you a question tonight. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but just answer this question in your heart. How confident are you? How confident are you, friend, of seeing the Lord in the land of the living? How confident are you of seeing the Lord in the land of the living? Knowing, knowing what is happening in our world today, knowing what is going on in our world today, how confident are you? Are you fairly confident? Are you, are you reasonably confident? Or maybe you're just not too sure. Or maybe you're totally confident that yes, I will see the Lord in the land of the living. You know, the psalmist David was totally confident. He was totally confident that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And you know, that's a remarkable statement to make. Whenever you, you learn and where and when, when David penned this psalm, you know, he wrote it early on in his life. During his flight from King Saul, he was only a young man. But King Saul was hunting him down. He was hunting him down like a dog. David was God's anointed. Saul had killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. But a spirit of jealousy, a spirit of jealousy came upon Saul, and he wanted David killed. So David, in fear for his life, he fled. He fled from King Saul, and he hid in caves, he hid in dens, and he hid in pits. And it's from one of these hiding places that David writes this psalm. And he starts it off by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, friends, David might have been might have been hiding in a dark place. He might have been hiding in a dark and lonely cave. But he doesn't let his heart get overwhelmed by fear and by dismay. No. But he looks to the Lord to be his light, to be his light, and to give him strength. And you know, friends, God is a light. God is a light to his people to show them the way whenever they're in doubt and to comfort and rejoice their hearts whenever they are in sorrow. He'll be a light 
to light your way whenever you don't know the way to take. To the unsaved, Jesus says, I am the light of the I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Friend, hear me tonight. While you're still not saved, while you still haven't surrendered your heart and your life to the Lord, friend, you're walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness. Your eyes are dim. Your eyes are dim and you can't see properly. And sooner or later, you're going to fall into a pit in which there'll be no getting out of. Friend, if you will, if you will, then Jesus will light your life. He will light the way for you. He will bring you out of darkness and he will bring you into his marvelous light. For you see, friend, apart from the light of Christ, there's no other light. There's no other light. There's no other light in which a man may see the truth and be saved. Without the light, friend, you're walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness. Without the light, you're living in darkness. Living. Living in darkness. You know, friends, we're living in a very, very dark world. And I believe it's going to get even darker. As the day of Christ's return approaches, and we believe it's going to be very, very, very soon, darkness, even gross darkness, will cover the earth. And, and, and I'm just not necessarily talking about a physical darkness as whenever you, you, you turn the light off at night in a room. But friends, I'm talking about a spiritual darkness. I'm talking about a spiritual darkness that'll cover the earth. A spiritual darkness that'll be in the hearts of men and women. And friends, I believe, I believe that there is a spiritual darkness in many hearts, in many hearts in this land today. There's a darkness and a wickedness and a perversion in this world today that I don't think this world has ever seen before. There seems to be, there seems to be a distortion of the natural order today. Does there not? There seems to be no distinction between moral good and evil. Friends, would I not be right in saying that? Would I not be right in thinking that? You know, Isaiah says this in Isaiah 5 and 20. He says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Friends, Surely we're living in those days today. Surely we're in those days today. You cannot tell me that that is not happening now. On the one hand, society exalts sin by calling depravity manly strength or calling immorality and perversion true virtue and commendable freedom. While on the other hand, society opposes righteousness by calling it evil. I mean... Take, for example, homosexuality and lesbianism. It's called an alternative lifestyle. An alternative lifestyle that should be openly accepted. While opponents of such conduct who accept the biblical standards of sexual morality are called bigots. We're called bigots who perpetuate oppressive prejudices. Pro-abortion advocates are called, let me hear this, Sensitive persons, sensitive persons with a deep commitment to the rights of a woman. 
while active pro-life supporters are called extremists or religious fanatics. Good being called evil and evil being called good. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. Friends, hear me tonight. We're in those days now. We are in those days. A darkness is over our land today. And friends, it's going to get even darker. It's going to get even darker. So what do we do? What do we do as believers? Friends, we got to walk in the light. We got to walk in the We got to live in the light. We got to spread our light around. We got to be bright and shining lights in a dark and, and, and evil world. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Isaiah said in, in, ver, in chapter 2 and 5, he said, O house of Jacob, Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the world. Friend, I ask you, are you walking in the light of the Lord? Are you walking in the light of... Does that world see the light of Christ that is within you? Does that world see Christ in you? Does that world see the light of the gospel shining from you? You know, David, David might have been in the depths of darkness and despair, but he was still looking to the Lord to be his light and his salvation. He goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Friends, what courage and what confidence David shows in his God. Though an army, friends, though an army should encamp against him, though war should break out all around him, he was not going to be afraid. He was not going to be afraid. And he was not going to lose his confidence or his faith in God. You know, he was probably thinking about Psalm 57 when he wrote these words. For you see, in Psalm 57, he says, that his soul was among lands. And he lay even among them that are sat in fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. But on, but further on down in that chapter 57, he goes on to say, even in the midst of all his fears, even in the midst of all his worries and all his anxieties and all his oppression, he says this, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed, O God, and I will sing and I will praise the Lord. His heart was fixed, friends. His heart was fixed. His heart was firm and sure, trusting in the Lord, believing that the Lord would save him out of all his troubles. He did not waver. Friends, hear me tonight. He did not waver in his own purpose or lean to one side and then the other. He was not swayed or moved by the events, friends, by the events that were surrounding him. Fear was not going to overwhelm him, no, but he was trusting fully in his Lord. He sought the Lord and the Lord heard him and the Lord delivered him out of all his fear. You know, friends, we're living in days of fear. We're living and there's a fear. Right now, tonight, there's a sense of fear all around this world. It's all over the place, isn't it? Isn't it? It's all over. People are in fear of their lives. And I mean, I don't think I'm being dramatic here, do you? But there's fear everywhere. There's fear everywhere. I mean, if you don't realize that, I then I, I don't know where you've been. Maybe 
on another planet for the last two or three weeks. But friends, fear, fear has gripped the hearts of many tonight, all because of this coronavirus. You know, Patricia was telling me on Thursday that she went to the shops to get some stuff for her workplace. You know, the hand gel, hand sanitizer and you know that antiseptic gel cream you put in your hands. She went to Tesco's. She went to B&M. She went to Poundland. She went to a load of different shops. She said the shelves were empty. The shelves were empty. They were empty of all that type of stuff. Couldn't get it anywhere. She rung up to, to order gloves and face masks and, you know, those hand gel dispensers for her workplace. And the guy told her, they're all impossible to get now. Impos- all the warehouses have been cleaned out. Some of that stuff is made in China, you know, and, and, and China has firstly closed down. There's very little goods coming out of China today. And I heard on the radio the other day that people are going out there panic ban. They're panic ban. They're, they're stocking their houses up with food and toilet roll. Toilet roll. Just in case they, they can't get leaving their homes. I mean, friends, fear is everywhere. Fear is everywhere. All because of this virus. All because of this disease. Many, many people are going to great lengths preparing themselves, preparing themselves so that they don't get this disease. But friends, I want to tell you something tonight. More importantly than that, more importantly than that, are they prepared to meet the Lord? Are they prepared to meet the Lord? Amos 4 and 12 says, prepare to meet thy God. You know, friends, you can do both. You can do both. You can prepare to meet the Lord and you can prepare yourself to, against this disease tonight. That's wise counsel. That's wise counsel. But fear, but fear seems to be everywhere. But then we as believers, should, should we really be surprised at this? Superbrand, should we be surprised at this? I mean, Jesus did tell us and that in the last days, these things would happen. Matthew 24 and verse 7 says, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I mean, friends, we've been seeing this happening for the last few years all over the world. Iraq, Iran, Syria, Afghanistan, Greece, Turkey and other places. It's been happening, friends, and it's happening right now. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Did you know that in the last 10 years, the rate of great earthquakes, the rate of great earthquakes have tripled? They've tripled. In the 20th century, not very long ago, 70 to 100 million people. That's more than the population of Great Britain, but 70 to 100 million people have died from famine across this world. I mean, that's in the 20th century. A lot of us were born in the 20th century. That's not that long ago. The World Health Organization says that infectious diseases or pestilences are now spreading geographically much faster than at any time in history. Go onto their website and look at it for yourself. It was estimated that 2.1 billion airline passengers traveled 
in 2006. I don't know what the figure is now, but I'm sure it's astronomical. But they said an outbreak or an epidemic in any part of the world is only a few hours away from becoming an imminent threat somewhere else. Well, friends, we're seeing that tonight. Look at Italy. Look at Japan. Look at Iran. It's breaking out all over the world. They also said that infectious diseases are not only spreading faster, but they appear to be emerging more quicker than ever before. Since the 1970s, newly emerging diseases have been identified at the unprecedented rate of one or more per year. There are now nearly 40 diseases that were unknown a generation ago. A generation's 40 years. You know, I was living 40 years ago. <laughs> nearly 40 diseases that were unknown a generation ago. In addition, during the last five years, the World Health Organization has verified more than 1,100 epidemic events worldwide in the last five years. In the last five years. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Friends, you and I, you and I, we are living in days in which scripture is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. The Lord is about to return. Hear me very clearly tonight, unsaved person. The Lord is about to return. So believer, believer, there's nothing to be fearful about. There's nothing to be fearful of. For he will keep, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because what? Because he trusteth in him. But friend, hear me tonight. If your mind, if your mind is not stayed on him, if your heart is not trusting in him, then friends, there's a lot to be afraid of tonight. There's a lot to be afraid of tonight. And I'm just not talking about the wars and the rumors of wars. I'm not talking about just talking about the earthquakes, the famines, the pestilences, the disease. No. For you see, friend, there's something far more frightening than that. And that is to stand before a just and a holy God without having your sins forgiven. To go to that great white throne, knowing that your sins have not been forgiven. You know, Hebrews 10 and 31 says, it is a fearful thing. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Christ himself said in Matthew 10 and 28, And fear not them which kill the body, but are, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him. Fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body and hell. He said again in Luke 12 and 5, But I will forewarn you, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Friends, those are very sobering words tonight. They're very sobering words tonight. But that's the truth of God's word. I mean, friends, we it, it can't be diluted in any other way. Yes, I recognize that 
and appreciate that there is a fear about this, about getting this coronavirus, especially if you're elderly and infirm. But friend, please listen to me tonight. The greatest fear a man or woman should have is to have a holy fear and a holy reverence of God. For he has the power to destroy both soul and body in hell. Not that he wants to. Not that he wants to. For he would have none to perish, but that all, A-W-L, but that all would have eternal life. So friend, knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men to turn to him and to come to him. Fear may be in every street corner tonight. But you can know the peace of God that passes all understanding. All you have to do tonight, friend, is surrender your life to him. Surrender your heart to him. Give it all over to him. All your worries, all your fears, all your anxieties. Give it all to him and let him uh, rule and reign and let him put a peace in your heart, in your life like you've never known before. You know, David knew what it was like to be in fear. But he also knew who he could turn to in a time of fear. Verse 5 of Psalm 27, says, David says, For in a time of trouble he shall hide me. He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up. He shall set me up upon a rock. Friends and family may have forsaken David, but David knew that God, that God would never forsake him. He knew that in any time of trouble, God would hide him. Friends, God would hide him. And God would hide him in the secret of his tabernacle. And you know what that word, in the secret of his pavilion, and you know what that word pavilion means? It means tent or tabernacle. It thus is used to denote the tabernacle considered as the dwelling place of God on earth. And the meaning here is that God would hide him, as it were, in his tabernacle. He would admit him near to himself. He would take care that he should be protected as if he were one of his own family. God would hide him, friends, in the secret of his tabernacle. And I like what one commentator said about this verse. But he said this, that God would not merely admit him into his premises, not only to the vestibule of his house, not only to the open court or to the parts of his house frequented by the rest of his family, but he would admit him to his private apartments, the place to which he himself withdrew to be alone and were no stranger and not even one of the family would venture to intrude. Nothing could more certainly denote friendship. Nothing could more certainly make protection sure than thus to be taken into the private apartment where the master of a family was accustomed to withdraw. Nothing more, nothing therefore can more beautifully describe the protection which God will give to his friends than the idea of thus admitting them to the secret apartments of his own dwelling place. Isn't that lovely tonight? That the great God of heaven, the great God, the God of heaven, the one who made the heavens, the one who made the universe and everything that is in it, he should bid us come, come, come and enter into his abode. And not only that, he would take us and hide us in the secret places of his tabernacle, the secret places of himself until the storms be overpassed. Friend, I ask you, are you troubled tonight? 
Are you troubled tonight? Are you in fear tonight? Are you weary and burdened down with the, with the cares and pressures of this life? Then do you know what Jesus says? He says, come on to me. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, David could say of God, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities, these calamities, be overpassed. Friend, in the midst of the calamities that are happening in our world today, Christ said that he would be a refuge. He would be a refuge if you would only but would come and bow the knee and come to him and give your heart and give your life to him. And friends, when you do that, when you do that, he said that he would set you, he would set us upon a rock. A place where we shall be secure. A place inaccessible to our enemies. A place where he shall strengthen and establish us. A place where our enemies shall not prevail against us. Psalm 61, 1 and 2 says, Hear my cry, O God, and attend unto my prayers. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. For when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Friends, I want to tell you tonight that that rock is Christ. That rock is Christ. It's not Israel. It's not Jerusalem. It's not some great king or potentate or pope or president or queen. But that rock is Christ. He is our savior. He is our protector. And he is our deliverer. He is the rock of our salvation. And he is our refuge. He is higher than David and all the kings of the earth. He's higher than the angels in heaven. And he's even higher than heaven itself. And who by his height is able to protect and defend his people from all their enemies. You know, God's power and promises are a rock that are higher than we. Friends, as I've said, this rock, friends, this rock is Christ. And those that are in him will be safe, will be safe. But friend, hear me tonight, if you're not in him, if you're not in him, then you're not going to be safe from the calamities that are going to come upon this world. So friend, I urge you, I urge you with everything that's in my heart tonight, be found in him. Be found in him before it's too late. Let him be the rock in which you will find shelter tonight. And finally, friends, as I come to a close, let me go back to the scripture in which I open with tonight. Psalm 27, verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Friends, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Psalm 34 and verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So friends, before we leave this house tonight, we're going to proclaim. We're going to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. You know, many in this house can testify of God's goodness in their lives. Has God 
been good to you, Saint? Friends, has God been good to you? Has God been good to you? You know, the only way, the only way those among us can see the goodness of God in our lives will be when we testify. When we testify of His goodness. Friends, tonight, as we come to a close, I want us to testify. I want the saints of God to stand and testify of the goodness of the Lord in your life. Many a time you thought you weren't going to make it, but, but for God. Many a time you thought there was no hope, but for the goodness of God. So friend, tonight, I'm just going to do something different tonight as we come to a close. Could we stand? Not everybody stand, but individuals. And just for a few minutes, could you stand and testify of the goodness of the Lord in your life? You know, I'm going to be first. You know, it was the goodness of the Lord that saved me over 30 years ago. It was the goodness of the Lord that preserved my life. I, sh I should have been dead two years ago, diagnosed with a mass cancerous tumor. I shouldn't be here tonight. But the goodness of the Lord preserved my life. I can say, I have seen the Lord in the land of the living. Friends, can we each individually testify tonight of the goodness of the Lord in our lives? Amen.